guest today is Isabella Sinclair. Hi, Isabella. Let's Hi. say hello, and let me just test your levels and hear how you sound. Say hello. Hello. Thank hello. you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to have you talk just a little closer. You really have to be so close to that okay. microphone. Is that better? Yeah, that's wonderful. Okay, great. Thank you. Do you sound okay in your headphones? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Wonderful. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for trekking all the way over to Chinatown, which is a long way from Silver Lake. (laughs) Yeah, it's a whole trek down Sunset, down Broadway. (laughs) Painful. But thank you so much for coming. So there's so many questions. I also, I kind of feel like you've been interviewed a lot about your work as a dominatrix, as an educator, as a fetish model. There's so many different facets of your work and you have a very large online presence. So if there's any questions that I ask you that you feel like you don't want to, like I want you to feel like this is a fun interview. I've asked that already. (laughs) Yeah, but but I mean, just kind of basic stuff. Well, this is probably a different audience than what I am normally answering to. Yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess just some basic stuff I would love to know, like how long have you been working as a dominatrix and maybe kind of what got you interested in in the field that's usually the first question yeah um, <laughs> skip choose to skip yeah. no i'll give you a brief o- overview um, yeah. i started in 93 so this okay. is my 25th year wow um i was yeah. very young mm-hmm. i was very curious about things and i yeah. got the opportunity um, i was living in new york and i got the opportunity to go in on a um a session yeah with someone and i I enjoyed it. I laughed. Yeah. And I thought, this is interesting. This is funny. But I had um, I had studied psychology in college, so yeah. I had kind of an understanding. And I had just recently been stalked by someone who had been identified as a sexual sadist. So oh, when, wow. um, when this woman stalked, invited... like, just in your daily... Like, how did that happen? That sounds um, terrifying. He was random. He wasn't anybody that I knew before. Yeah. He just kind of picked me up on his radar. Yeah. And for 18 months... Um, terrorized me. Oh my goodness. Um, and it was before there were stalking laws, so there was oh, nothing wow. they could do unless he touched me. And um, he never touched me, luckily. Wow. So um, so after that happened, that was in Birmingham in Alabama, and after that happened, I moved Which to New York. Which is where you're from, right? Yeah, yes. From okay. Alabama. Yeah. Um, I moved to New York, and within a month of being in New York, I found myself standing next to a girl at a club who had on a latex dress. And yeah. I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, which was funny because when I when I wear latex out in public, mm-hmm. it's the first reaction. Can I touch it? Can I yeah. touch it? What is <laughs> yeah. that? Can what I touch that? it? Yeah. Now it's becoming more mainstream, but you have to imagine right. this is in 93, before the internet. Right. That's um, another one of my questions for later, too, is just how do you feel about the mainstreamization of BDSM and kink and the whole culture? But we can get to that later. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, continue. Um, so I had a lot of questions for her, and yeah. she worked at a club, a BDSM club. Yeah. And um, so my first questions were, you know, she was a submissive at a club. Okay. Um, what do these men want to do to you? Do they want to hurt you? Everything that I had known mm. about a sadist was terrifying. Right. So I yeah. wanted to understand how this profession worked and how mm-hmm. she could do this and what these men were thinking. And right. um, she was like, no, it's fun. It's like acting. And they yeah. they want to control you and they want to call you names and they want to spank you. And it was, she, she made it seem so, like, lighthearted. Yeah. But I was like, I need to see this. Yeah. 
uh, and it completely changed my idea of what a sexual sadist is. Mm -hmm. You know, there's consensual sadists, and then there's the ones that, you know, cross boundaries and become serial killers and rapists. And I think that's a really yeah. important point, too. Yeah, there's, yeah. and, and yeah. I've, I've learned that it's a pretty fine line. Mm -hmm. um, between the two, but it's still, there is still a line. Yeah. Um, you say communication is what separates the line? Uh, consent and consciousness. Yeah. Or, you know, being conscious of how other people perceive your dominance over them. Right. Some people don't want to be dominated. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they might not come but to you. It, yeah. yeah. Someone who is, is yeah. unconsensual and that doesn't care if you want to be dominated, they're going to try to dominate you anyway. Right. Or empower you anyway. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's having a, you know, a, a good understanding of yourself and yeah. not pushing yourself on other people. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow, so 25 years, started in New York. How long have you been working um, as a dom here in Los Angeles? I know you have I your moved, own studio. and I moved here in 96. Okay. Uh, I had only ever worked at a house in New York. Okay. And when I moved here, I tried to start um, at a house here, but it just wasn't run the same way as the one in New York. Yeah. So I went independent almost immediately. Yeah. And um, that was kind of a game changer. Mm -hmm. and, and I had a client who's very tech savvy, Silicon Valley tech. And yeah. he's like, there's this thing called the internet. And you can <laughs> build thing called the internet. You can yeah. build websites. <laughs> right. And so I had yeah. him help me. Yeah. All HTML. Um, build it. a website, and yeah. so I became the first ProDom website, That's amazing. and then I became the first membership-based oh. domination website, oh, and wow. I was like right at the same time that Danny's Hard Drive and Jenna Jameson were also um, popping up their sites. Right. Uh, so it was great because I got to get in on the ground floor, the ground floor. And, and create this like worldwide presence before yeah. anybody else could. I kept finding, um, as I was doing a little bit of research about your career, I kept finding world's most famous dominatrix, Mistress Isabella. I know, I laugh at over, that. And I, and I, I say it, but when I yeah. say it, I also chuckle because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, um, but it sounds like you really started. People say yeah. that about me. So I guess yeah. it must be true. Yeah. I feel like. I agree with that. Thanks completely. to the internet. Yeah, thanks, thanks to jumping on the internet. Exactly. Quickly. Yeah. I also learned that um, from watching an interview that you did on a show called Naked New York, which yeah. I had never even heard about. And, and was it happy still to exists. Is it, is it yeah. still around? Yeah. It was a, a wonderful interview. You can find that interview for people who are interested on YouTube. But you were talking about how your whip skills started from um, that your father taught you how to yeah. use a whip because you grew up on a farm, which yeah. I guess I don't really have a question. I just thought that was fascinating. So. Yeah. Um, one yeah. of my dad's proudest moments is I did a pistachio commercial a couple of years ago, 90, uh, no, 2009. Yeah. And I bullwhipped a pistachio nut, but I did it in the okay, first so. take. And, <laughs> wow. um, and that was the take that they used on the commercial. That's incredible. So it was airing everywhere. So before yeah. I knew... Before he saw it on t television, I wanted to show it to him. Mm -hmm. So I, I gave him a, I showed him on my computer. Yeah. And he was just so proud. <laughs> he <laughs> taught me great. how to do that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I honed my skills from five years old. You know, sure. there's a, a latency period where I didn't hold a whip. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I could still, I could <laughs> a still small, one. A small window. Yeah. That's incredible. Proud father. Mm -hmm. um, I love it. There was also, so I also learned that another kind of um, thing that you spoke about in a previous interview, and this is maybe an old interview, but I'm assuming it's probably still holds true, is that another part of what got you interested um, in this community is the um, sort of superhero powers of superheroes and going to conventions and you went in a costume. I'm not sure, was it a Dungeons and Dragons costume? Or it was, it was like Dragon kind of Con in Atlanta. Con. I was in, yeah. I was a junior in high school. Yeah. Um, I went with one of my girlfriends who was a senior. We like literally skipped out of town. She's staying the night with me. I'm staying the night with her. Yeah. We go to Atlanta mm -hmm. and we had played Dungeons and Dragons when we were younger and I had this yeah. character um, who was an elf. And so I was emulating nice. her at this yeah. convention. Yeah. But I had a black cat suit on. I had gotten these like $90 knee high boots from Baker's. Oh, mall. Great. They were like the most risque boots you could imagine. I don't know Baker's, but yeah. I'm thinking Hot Topic. It's so, kind yeah. of the same. It was like a mall yeah. brand. Mm -hmm. um, they just went slightly over the knee. Um, yeah. One of our friends made me this chainmail cod piece, which I still oh, wow. have. Wait, a chainmail what piece? Cod piece. Like what a, it's like a bikini, but the front of it is chainmail. Oh, okay. And yeah. I so, had this like cheap right. whip that I got at a thrift store. Yeah. 
And that was my costume. Yeah. And she was more um, almost like a caveman. Like she had like yeah. fur, loin cloth. And yeah. Uh, so these were our characters and we dressed up and we went to this convention. Yeah. And that's actually the first time I didn't realize it at the moment. That's yeah. the first time someone actually paid me to whip them. This man oh, wow. gave me $20 to whip him <laughs> with sense. my whip in front of everyone. Yeah. He wanted to see if I could if I could use it. And it was, yeah. looking back on it, it was such a cheap whip, but I was still able to use it. Yeah. Uh, it was literally like one that you get in like a novelty store. Yeah. And my whips are much better now. But uh, yeah. I didn't even think about that as being something BDSM mm. related or something that could have manifested into a career later in my life. I was just yeah. playing. Yeah. And when I um, first put on my the first piece of latex that I ever owned, mm -hmm. that's when I realized how transformative the wardrobe was. Yeah. And you can feel kind of normal and you can still feel powerful in your normal clothes, but when yeah. you put those clothes on, it's yeah. literally like trans transforming into a superhero. Yeah. And that's where I was like, wow, this is yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And it really added to the ability to portray Isabella Sinclair, mm -hmm. you know, by putting on those clothes. Right. So. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, Maybe this is a question that you can't answer, <laughs> but I'm curious if you enjoy working with uh, individuals or couples more, assuming that you do sessions with couples and individuals, which I'm not sure that you do, but I, I yeah, assume that I you do. I do sessions with pretty much anyone. Yeah. I don't discriminate. Mm -hmm. um, I primarily do them private, one-on-one, -on -one. Mm -hmm. but um, you know, after the whole Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon, there's a yeah, lot more couples who are engaging yeah. in it that are open yeah. to the idea. I think mm -hmm. you know, for all of its faults, it was good for people to open the conversation yeah. about this. And Definitely. it's way more prevalent in people's minds than people realize, than yeah. more people realize. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started seeing more couples yeah. then, and yeah. uh, they don't really know how to start, where to start, who's yeah. on it, who's submissive. They, you know, so it's really helping them navigate mm -hmm. just based on the information that I've acquired in my years of experience. Like yeah. who, who's the natural dominant of the relationship mm -hmm. and uh, teaching them how to sometimes switch with each other if they're both submissive or if they're both dominant, but they both seek this and want to stay together. Yeah, so that's and where the educational piece comes in, yeah. I assume. Yeah. Because you, you, you can't have someone who wants to be a dominant mm -hmm. with someone who refuses to be a submissive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just repressive, and those relationships typically don't last because someone mm -hmm. will start seeking out these dynamics. Right. Uh, whether it be with a professional, which is a good thing that, you know, we exist, mm -hmm. um, or start affairs with people that they right. can play with. Yeah. Um, but uh, the more that the couples are willing to open up and, mm -hmm. you know, engage in it together. Yeah. But there are relationships. I mean, the majority of my clients, I believe, are married. Mm -hmm. Or at least early on they were. And now I think because people know that they have a choice and know that this is mm -hmm. a part of them, that, that they're more inclined to wait for a relationship where this can be involved in it. Right, yeah. Uh, early on, the majority of my clients were, were, married, were married. And yeah. this is how they kept their marriages together. Interesting. Is to go yeah. and seek it out on the side. And because mm -hmm. you're paying someone, you're not really paying them to dominate you. You're paying them not to get emotionally attached to you. <laughs> you <laughs> know, that. so yeah. they, they, they just pay me to facilitate that side of that need, their need to be submissive. Right. And then they can go home and be the man that their wives think they are. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess another question um, is maybe a little bit of a technical question, but how do you vet your clients just in terms of kind of... I have online profiles. We also have a very tight-knit community. Mm -hmm. uh, of recent years, it's become even more tight-knit where all mm -hmm. of the doms you know, we lean on each other, yeah. we contact each other if there's a problem, we send out mass yeah. emails to each other if there's, you know, any um, client that someone should know about. Mm -hmm. And um, so we vet it through each other, through the community. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there are red flags you just learn yeah. through the years yeah. that when someone is disingenuous, so mm -hmm. um, it makes it a lot easier when you start really realizing, like, similarities in clients and then things that are just like, okay, that's out of left field. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, we have a vetting process and we have a confirmation process and, you know, we require deposits now, which is industry standard. So yeah. that no one is a time waster. Mm -hmm. so. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess just another one of my questions looping back is just how do you feel about the, the fact that BDSM and that whole community has become so much more mainstream now and they're 
whether it's in kind of the Fifty Shades of Grey, just public sort of sentiment, um, but also I think just generally it's something that people feel more comfortable kind of talking about. I kind of chuckle when people mix the word kink with mainstream because it's like an oxymoron. (laughs) You know, there is kink and then there's mainstream. Sure. Uh, There is more social acceptance, which I appreciate Mm. because I Mm -hmm. think that anytime you repress these desires, they they manifest in other ways, whether it be abusive ways, you know, resentment or... So if people are able to communicate and talk about their needs, yeah, and that's one of the beauties of the internet, people are, mm-hmm. are way more dialed in at, at a much yeah. earlier age, so they don't necessarily get in relationships, mm-hmm. have children, and then realize that these are parts of their life that they can't hide anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a coming out of sorts, yeah. being able to have that uh, acceptance, like you're you're okay to come out now yeah. and say that you like these things, yeah, and more and more people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, I think that there's still a uh, a stigma about being submissive, particularly in men. Mm. Um, but men can be submissive, women can be submissive. You know, it doesn't discriminate against mm-hmm. genders. Yeah. So, do you find that with your clients that they typically come to you with a sort of clear picture of understanding that they are submissive, or do, is there kind yes, of a process? That because you that's why they intentionally seek out a dominatrix. Right. They're looking for this kind of surrender. And they kind of already have that knowing. Yeah. Yeah. They know. Yeah. You know. Some of my mm-hmm. clients have known, or they have a fetish. It's not necessarily they want to be submissive. They just know they have a fetish, like a foot fetish or a yeah. fetish. Yeah. Um, there are triggers that happen to them early in life, and mm-hmm. you just kind of know. Yeah. I. It's the same as, as realizing you're gay. Mm-hmm. When you see if you're a man and you see a woman and you get no feelings, but you mm-hmm. see another man and suddenly you're tingly, yeah. then chances are you're gay. Same for a woman. Yeah. Women you know, who are gay have no emotion looking at a man, but mm-hmm. see a beautiful woman. Feel tingly, maybe. Yeah. 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 And it's the same for those triggers for mm-hmm. you know, dominant and submissive. Yeah. A lot of pop culture, uh, a lot of TV shows from the 60s, 70s, I think, um, steered before the internet mm-hmm. were how people realized that they had these fetishes because they would see like Emma right. Peel in leather and be like, ooh, I like that. Or yeah. Wonder Woman lassoing someone to a chair. Right. And, ooh, I like that. You know, yeah. th- those triggers are like, I feel tingly all of a sudden. Yeah, definitely. And now with the internet, it's a lot easier for them to find those yeah. identifiers faster. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe that's a good um, segue just to talk about some of your... Your work, um, I'm familiar with Gwen Media, Mm -hmm. which is your media company that you founded. And then you were also telling me before the show that you have another um, project that I got the patch for. Can you tell me just a little bit about some of your other projects that you have in addition to your work as a dom, specifically with sessions and clients? Well, first I started out as a dominatrix, and then I realized that my image was marketable. Mm -hmm. So in 97, I started a video production company called Ivy Manor Videos. Okay. Um, I partnered with a couple of guys to create another video production company that was, my company was um, femdom, male sub-based primarily, and then we wanted a production company that was femdom, female sub-based okay. with a huge latex influence. Yeah, I'm trying to that, process that language. I know. That's Gwen Media. That's okay. the, the bigger production company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that ran for many years. Mm-hmm. I had a membership-based website for over 14 years with that company and mm-hmm. produced hundreds of videos. Yeah. Uh, now with the internet, the way that it is, and piracy so hard to <sighs> control. Yeah. Um, I produced my last film two years ago. And I haven't produced one since because the weekend that I released the film, Mm -hmm. which I spent almost $5,000 producing start to finish, Mm -hmm. I released it. I sold 20 copies the first day. The next day, I got a link to a torrent site where someone, one of those 20 people had uploaded it to a torrent site and had over 700 downloads. So it was in the first day I lost, you know, all that money. So I wrote a nice letter to all the 20 people telling them what had happened, yeah. and if they are the ones that were responsible for this, I just want them to know that this is the last film that I will most likely ever produce, uh, because yeah. it's just impossible to fight it, and yeah. you, know, you pour yourself into it, and then you yeah. just see people rip it off, so yeah. so that, um, I set dormant with films for a while, uh, yeah. and then I started training, I've been training and mentoring people for years, Okay. and I had this opportunity to start a mentoring company yeah training and mentoring so 
I had a lot of women who were kind of on this roster of wanting to be trained. So Mm -hmm. I started the company with them. It's called Dom Collective. Yeah. I trained them to be independent doms Mm -hmm. um, where they get to choose their own interests, their own personas. Yeah. I I help them cultivate things and then I help them create a platform for themselves Mm -hmm. so that they can become professionals. Yeah. And so now I just kind of have this this organization of dominant women mm-hmm. and two men who have just joined in the last couple of months. Oh, wow. And uh, so... And what's it called when you're... Um, a master. A master. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. A mistress, a master. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's tops, bottoms. There's like so yeah. many different... Yeah. yeah. All the language. Yeah, all the language. So that... Sorry, what's it called one more time? Dom Collective. Dom Collective. I have the... Pa- you just gave me a patch before the yeah. show. I'm excited to put it on a jacket of mine. But um, so you have about 28 people that you were... 23 that are on the oh, roster right now yeah. that I have trained, mentored, that are on wow. as senior doms, um, junior doms, which are the newer ones. And then mm-hmm. I have trainees that are just about like literally probably by the end of the week yeah. moving into the junior dom for their they'll actually start taking sessions themselves. Yeah. And was that a similar format of how you trained? Did you have someone that was a mentor for you? I didn't. I learned everything on my own. I kind of, um, I had to when I started. I mean, Mm -hmm. I watched these two sessions with this submissive girl. Mm -hmm. And then the guy who... um, who was hiring her to be submissive, wanted to hire me as a dominant because he saw something in me okay. in those two sessions. Because I was, yeah. I was joking and I was laughing and I was really getting involved and she was having fun and it was, yeah. I smacked her on the ass a couple of times. And yeah. um, he left the session, the last session, and, and told the lady who ran the place that I was a fish in water and he sh- they should hire me. Mm. <laughs> and um, so she did. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't have that. So I made a lot of mistakes and I had to learn the hard way. So... Mm-hmm. When I started training, it was, I felt like, my responsibility to help people not make those mistakes and to help people mm-hmm. um, cultivate their their interests faster and yeah. learn what's good for them. Because there can be a lot of damage. If you do things that you don't like or don't want to do mm-hmm. just because someone asks you to do them, sure. it's, you know, you're compromising yourself and that can cause damage whether you're doing it for money or, or yeah. not. Yeah. So I wanted to make it a healthy situation. Yeah. So I help them figure out what their interests are, where they want to go with it, what their personas are. Mm-hmm. Some are very strict and high protocol. Some are more like laid back and chill mm-hmm. and, um, you know, what they see in themselves. Yeah. So I help them, you know, look in the mirror. Yeah. And so it reflects back. And that's such a wonderful thing that you're able to provide that space that, and it sounds like you, you know, blossomed into the person that you are, but that maybe you're providing a service that, you know, a part of you, your past self maybe could have used a little bit of too. Yeah, I could have used it, but it just wasn't available back then. You just didn't do it. It was very underground. It was very seedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were, if you found an advertisement for us in Mm -hmm. the 90s, it was not in the adult bookstore main mm-hmm. area you had to then go through another curtain <laughs> and through the very back yeah and that's where yeah. the bdsm stuff was at so yeah we were the you know behind the curtain behind. at the adult bookstore yes <laughs> and so you know if you're behind oh, the peep show booth and behind the other yeah that you're really in the shadows you're in the shadows yeah, yeah. so there was just yeah. really no uh no opportunity to learn so i just kind yeah. of learned on my own i yeah. Was able to learn quickly because I was booked very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was a different mentality then. There was way more because it wasn't the internet. The internet has kind yeah. of like damaged the professional career in a sense that people can get an outlet mm-hmm. without leaving their homes. Before right. you had to go you and had find to go it. to a dungeon. Yeah. And so yeah. there was way more traffic back then mm-hmm. through the dungeon. So, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm so fascinated by your whole history. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think that um, we have a bunch of listener questions, so I think that we'll, we will start to answer some of those now yeah. if you want to move on to Love that. You. And if you're just tuning in, then you should know that you're listening to Soul Friend, right? Sorry, I'm trying to multitask while talking on the radio, but I'm pulling up our Instagram where you can direct message any questions, which is Soul Friend Radio. But you're listening to Soul Friend Radio with my co-host for today, Miss Isabella Sinclair. And you can also call in live if you would like to be on air with your question. And our number is 213-54-LOVE0. Once again, that's 213-54-LOVE0. And you can also text into that number. So we got some new questions. This one is a simple short one, which I love. They don't sign, so I'm just going to say anonymous. And it says, what is your favorite tool to inflict pain? 
That must be a question Probably for you. Probably the single tail or the bull whip because it's the hardest okay. to control. It's the hardest to learn. Yeah. It's the hardest to master. But when you Is master it. Is that what you it, used in the pistachio? Yes. That's that whip. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's the probably the least used mm. tool in my my stock of tools just because it is so intense. Yeah. But I have a few people. You have a few people who that will stand for it. Yeah. And so it's, it's it's exciting when I get to do it. Yeah. How does that work with um, marks and bruising or anything like that? Does that with your client? I don't know. I'm a bull whip, a single tail. Um, they, yeah. They typically yeah. leave marks, but everyone marks yeah. differently. Yeah. And this is like a whole like a whole baseline to what will mark someone mm-hmm. and not mark someone else. Yeah. Um, but bull whips are more Sounds likely like a good one. more likely to mark. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a longer question I'm going to answer in a bit, but I've got some questions that we got yesterday. Um, so this one is about sexual chemistry in a relationship. Um, this person signs it anonymous female 36, and their question is, I've recently started dating someone who I've been friends with for years and years. There is so much personal chemistry in our relationship, but our sex is only okay. Normally, if the sexual chemistry isn't good early in the relationship, I move on. But with him, it is so much different because of our existing friendship. We've been dating for about four months now, and I'm still feeling sexually unsatisfied. What would be the best way to bring this up with him? Or better yet, what can I do to just fix the blahness I feel? Question mark. Anonymous female. I think um, um, communication obviously is key. You have to talk about these things. Yeah. Sex is so incredibly important in a relationship. It yeah. will make or break a relationship. Yeah. The sooner you talk about it and the sooner you open up the doors for that, mm-hmm. the easier it is. I think um, for for the most part, it's harder for um, men to talk to women about sex because they're afraid mm-hmm. it's going to turn the, the woman off or like they're going to seem too creepy or aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a woman, she has more power to talk about these things because men mm-hmm. are just typically more sexually open about mm-hmm. exploration. Yeah. So uh, she should feel empowered with the idea that most likely she's not going to freak him out or turn him off. Yeah. And yeah. she should figure out if she knows what works for her because she knows from previous relationships, mm-hmm. that's a good place to start. Yeah. Like, I know this is what I need. I know yeah. this is what I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And maybe I want there's to incorporate a this. level of comfortability if they have been friends for years and years that she can kind of just channel in terms of knowing that hopefully the conversation will be a safe space for her to share about right. what she needs. Yeah. Yeah, but I love that, just utilizing what she knows about her own sexuality mm-hmm. in terms of this is what I need and then just trying to communicate that clearly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. Thank yeah. Um, this is an interesting question. This person says they sign it anonymous 27. They say, I'm fairly sexually inexperienced. How would I know if I would be into S&M or kink? What are some good entry-level steps I could take to test the waters without getting in over my head? I'm a little bit nervous and anxious around sex anyway, so the whole concept of exploring SM with a partner is intriguing but anxiety inducing. Well, that's something that is it, it female? I mean, it doesn't matter because porn, is, yeah. porn can be viewed by anyone. Yeah. Um, I would suggest logging into some porn sites mm-hmm. and looking specifically for BDSM. Mm-hmm. You will know immediately if it makes you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you figure out quickly like what works for you visually. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's a good that's start great. if you have enjoyed being forceful and aggressive in sex versus mm-hmm. wanting to be tied down in sex. Mm-hmm. It's a good indicator of whether you're the the naturally aggressive one or the submissive one. Mm-hmm. I was always the aggressive one. I always wanted to yeah. be the one that pushed the boy against the wall. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, or a girl. I had a girl <laughs> girlfriend when I was 18 Yeah, that I um, engaged in these things with a little bit without really knowing that I was dominant yeah but it was um those are precursors to definitely Mm -hmm. like how I I feel yeah and um so yeah I think it's an interesting question too because if they're saying that that they're already a little bit anxious around sex anyway um then maybe just kind of some I don't know how to how to help this person ease their own well, there's, anxiety. There's definitely without, things that I can say don't do. Yeah. Don't put an ad on Craigslist or <laughs> on a dating site saying that yeah. you're looking for someone. Um, these are things that mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately people disappear mm-hmm. all the time. And yeah. um, especially female submissives that post these ads are mm-hmm. in uh, immediate targets for sexual predators. Yeah. And I work on some criminal cases and so I have you oh, know, wow. I've been able to discuss some of these things with people. And yeah. 
putting it out there and meeting someone anonymously is not a great idea Yeah. because of the, the nature of a sexual predator. If they're looking for a submissive, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, putting food down and watching yeah. you know, the wolves come. Yeah, that's necessary. They're going to come. Yeah. Don't put the food down. Yeah. You have to take it slow, meet someone. Mm-hmm. If you're specifically seeking that, join mm-hmm. community groups. Yeah. In L.A., there's a huge community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lunches, like the munches. Mm-hmm. There are classes that you can meet people at and just kind mm-hmm. of build your network within the community and then yeah. start looking for it. Like, but you need to yeah. get, get become aware of what your interests are. Yeah. Don't just experiment with some random person because yeah, yeah, that's dangerous. That is dangerous. Yeah, I think that you're right in terms of watching porn is a great, you know, entry level sort of seeing how you feel about different visual stimulation. Um, and seriously, with the openness of it now... When you're having sex with someone and it's a new relationship, mm-hmm. from the beginning, you can say, hold me there, or yeah. I want to hold you here, or, yeah. and it can, it, you don't need implements to do it. It can be mm-hmm. as easy as just holding someone's wrist down, right? or, you know, putting your hand kind of over their face or like holding mm-hmm. their head still, you know, so these yeah. dominant um, actions, mm-hmm. but that are not so threatening that you're completely subdued and, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, not able to, to, to free yourself. Yeah. yeah, and it can be, I mean, I think um, that was another kind of question that I actually had for you that I, I don't think I asked you, but just if there was any kind of common misconceptions that you find that people have about um, BDSM or kink, just because I think that in my sort of exploring the community, I found out so much about it in terms of just the widening and broadening of what it really means to sort of have that type of play. And it really can be anything, like you said, like just holding someone's wrist can be that. Utilizing a feather can be that. Utilizing a whip or a flogger or something that's maybe like more traditionally There's usually always play, one person more sexually aggressive in the relationship. Mm-hmm. The one that's more dominant that's kind of pushing the direction of things. Yeah. Whether people realize it or not. Yeah. And um, now it's okay to bring toys in. But even mm-hmm. before, when I would talk to people about their sex life that hadn't used no toys, it was kind of easy for me to identify mm-hmm. who was dominant, who was submissive in the relationship. Yeah. But I think that um, there's so much information on the internet that you can, you can <laughs> yeah. just you can figure it out yeah. so much faster. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Well, I think we answered Anonymous's question 27. Um, We have another question, which is, if I'm looking to explore the world of BDSM with my partner, what are some basics that I should know before starting anything? Signed, playful couple. Um, Again, I think that your your comment that you just made in terms of doing as much research on your end of using the internet as a resource and as a tool is great. But but yeah, I'd love to hear from from communication. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my website has a session application and Mm -hmm. that's where my clients get to fill out. So my, it's easy for me to have that immediate communication because it's right there for them. They Mm -hmm. fill it out. They tell me what they like. It only has things on it that I like. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you really wanted to like figure out if your partner was into these things, Mm-hmm. Go look at my session application. Print it out. Yeah. See if they're like, check the things you like. Right. And then have and them then compare to check <laughs> the things they like and yeah. then see what, what you come together on. Yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of resources, a mm-hmm. lot of kink-friendly websites. Mm-hmm. Like kink Academy is one that does a lot of sex education. Okay. Uh, the Stockroom, which is a, a local yeah. place. They do a lot of kink education. I was curious if any of your... Um costumes or what, I'm not sure what language you use to describe what you wear but if any of it was from the stockroom because yeah, that's yeah. the place I've in LA I've known that I know. the owner of the stockroom since since the beginning of my career since yeah. I moved to LA yeah uh, his company I've watched his company grow he's an amazing person I've been affiliated yeah. with their company for years mm-hmm. yeah I I completely respect the stockroom yeah their direction and what they're doing is just to you know more same as me social acceptance mm-hmm. let people be okay with their kink yeah make it as um, user-friendly as possible teach mm-hmm. people yeah. yeah it's very proactive for the and community and they have an online like you can buy their um products online yeah. for people who don't live in los angeles and they have starter yeah. things as well yeah. as the heavier you know advanced play stuff mm-hmm. so it's a good place and it's a local place yeah so through the stockroom they do educational mm-hmm. um Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're, I think they're moving locations um, now, but they'll probably start mm-hmm. up their classes again. Mm-hmm. But I've had um, seminars and yeah, done things for their classes oh, before. Wonderful. Yeah. 
And I don't know where Playful Couple is writing from, but I think that could definitely be a good way. Also, as you were saying, the session application on your website, it reminded me of um, sort of just a... It's a menu. A turn-ons list. Like, I've seen turn-ons mm. lists of just so many different things. Yeah. And I think that can be so helpful if you have a whole list and then you can kind of see, you know, with your partner what turns you on and what turns them on and then like you said kind of compare notes and then yeah. see where the crossover is and and start there yeah how do you like your coffee <laughs> exactly i'm gonna know these things about your partner you kind of do yeah and i think too it's a process of growing into just like any relationship growing into knowing sexually what you both feel comfortable exploring with your partner and then maybe kind of learning and again i don't know how long you know playful couple has been together but if they've been together for a couple of months and it's a whole world of learning, if they've been together for years and years, then maybe it's also a new opportunity to I kind have of a liven couple, things up. I have so. a couple that I trained um, over 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. They met in high school. They went oh. to college together. Oh. They were in their um, late 20s when they finally came to me. Mm-hmm. They had never experienced kink before, but they knew they needed something in their relationship. Yeah. They loved each other. They wanted to stay together. They just didn't know what to do. Yeah. They had explored the swinger community first, realized it wasn't for them because that's mm-hmm. like the most tangible thing. To, right. You know, well, let's swing. Right. Um, realized it wasn't for them. So mm-hmm. they came to me, and now they have their own home dungeon. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, or, you know, it's not in their home, but it's, like, yeah. a separate place because they have a family. So they right. have their own separate play space. Wow. They um, do these. They're both they're both sexually submissive but naturally aggressive in normal life. How does that work in terms of the couple? Like, I mean, sure, I understand the concept of um, sexually having a different persona or personality than your sort of daily. But with two submissives... And they had to learn to switch with each other. I how had to teach work? them how to switch with each other. So now they have, okay. they they both love oh. sports. Yeah. So they'll bet on games. Okay. Who's going to be dominant? Who's going to be submissive? <laughs> so I guess they had yeah. like a really big bet recently because yeah. I just noticed they they created an Instagram account for this this year long journey. Oh. But I guess she lost the ability to be dominant, so she's a slave oh. for a year. Oh my god, a year! They That's contract a big yeah. bet. Yeah, Whoa. I know. I don't know what the bet was, but, yeah. was, but I like I chuckle because I knew that they go That's back and amazing. forth with this sort of thing. Like yeah. he had to wear chastity for a week because she won a bet, yeah. and it was like torture for him. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, she had to wear a corset every day under her clothes for oh a couple of days. So they, they really get yeah. into it. And yeah. I love it because they've known each other since before these desires started. Right. Um, but when they started learning about it and just how much fun they could have with it, mm-hmm. it transformed them. And now they're yeah. Yeah, still together wonderful. and happy and healthy. And, yeah. and just having watched their growth through the years is very exciting for me because yeah. I feel like I helped them keep their relationship together. I think that you did, yeah. most definitely. That's wonderful. What a great story. Um, This question says, what are your favorite BDSM toys for under $50? I feel like that's a pretty safe price point. There must be a ton. That seems like a hard question. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There are. I mean, cuffs. Cuffs, yeah. Because you can, once Mm -hmm. you tie someone down, you can use, like, your fingers, your tongue, your mouth, Mm -hmm. you know, like, anything to, like, tease and torment someone, biting them, pinching them, licking them, ice clay, hot wax. Yeah. Uh, You could literally build a dungeon, like a little mini kit from like Mm -hmm. the 99 cent store. Little pieces of rope, clothespins, a spatula, a ruler. (laughs) I mean, I I did a class once like that, like, you know, BDSM on a budget. (laughs) On a budget. I love it. And I brought in like all these household objects that people were like, oh, yeah. It's a shift of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you yeah. can um, you can get a lot, actually probably a lot of things. Yeah, uh, yeah. It seems like it just depends, it depends on your preference. Exactly. Yeah. If you like yeah. to have your nipples lightly tweaked, mm-hmm. there are little clothespins that you can get at yeah. Target. If you like to have them heavier pinched, then buy them at a sex store. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Great answer. Um, this is a question about love, not sex. But this person says they sign it saying feeling impatient. Their question is, do you think it is better to actively take steps to look for love, or should I just try to let it happen naturally? I always think you should let it happen naturally because love, it hits you in the face when you least expect it. Yeah. It's not something that I think you can force on someone. Yeah. So I think it has to be organic. Yeah. You know, it's like... I think that I, I agree about the letting it happen. I think that getting yourself in a position to be open... And, and setting oh, yourself yeah, up the for doors have people, to be open you know, for to, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once that's happened, yeah, I mean, you can't, um, 
necessarily take active steps to like make it happen more quickly. I don't think so. I, yeah. I for me, it always happens when I least expect it. When I've kind of mm-hmm. like put that on the back burner, like, yep, yeah. no time for that right now. I'm going to do this. I'm going to handle this. And then yeah. suddenly it's like, whoa, where'd you come from? Yeah. Well, because you're actually taking care of yourself. And that's a question that I get into the show a lot too, is in terms of you know, people feeling similarly feeling impatient about looking for love and just not meeting the right people and just kind of feeling drained and maybe not so hopeful well, about it. Sex is it, a fun thing know. to have with people you don't love just to kind of fill the void yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before you fall in love. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm all, all about, you know, filling those voids until yeah. you find what you need. No, definitely. And also, like you said, just kind of taking care of yourself and you don't have to be actively pushing away, you know, that side of yourself in terms of finding love or finding a partner or finding an open relationship or finding whatever you want. But I think that if you're working on yourself, then you're so much more attractive to yeah. everyone because you're in a good place. So, yeah. So I think, yeah, let it happen naturally and also set yourself up for success in terms of trying to go out and meet people and just do all the things that you would do to put yourself in a situation of possibly stumbling upon someone that I always find that when I'm uh, hanging out with friends and like being engaged socially with friends is when I find people that I I like yeah I think when I have tried to seek it out Mm -hmm. it's never what I want yeah so yeah Yeah. let it come to you yeah great answer this question says, um, should I date a guy who lives in a different city and by a different city I mean he lives in New York and I live in LA I travel a lot, work for myself, and don't really feel the need to be with someone 24-7. So maybe it's not a bad idea to try to do long distance. Anonymous female, 36. My longest relationship was a long distance relationship. Really? Um, when we met in college, mm-hmm. and I moved to New York without him. So mm-hmm. he would fly up every couple of weeks mm-hmm. to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a musician, so he was touring a lot, so he was gone. I would go mm-hmm. see him maybe once a week. Whenever, like every month, I would travel somewhere to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were together. Yeah. We were together for 10 years. And I oh, think wow. I'm a very independent person, so it yeah. worked well with me to mm-hmm. have that kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's down, downsides to it. Yeah. Um, but the relationships that I've tried to have where we're in the same town, none of those have lasted yeah. more than three years. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. I think it's because there's just, I'm, honestly, every relationship seems to end because I'm too independent. Yeah. And that's something they love at the beginning and then mm-hmm. feel insecure about toward the end. Like, yeah. you don't need me. And oh, I've yeah. learned now that men need to know that they are needed. Yeah. He's, I think so. Our safety manager yes, is nodding. He's nodding. <laughs> with a, with and I literally... Of, not a shamed face, but kind of like, a, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I set up my life to not need anyone. Mm-hmm. From the time I was 18 years old, I've been taking care of myself. So if yeah. like, there's never anybody going to take care of me, there's never a safety net. Mm-hmm. I have to do this myself. And so for me, that has created mm-hmm. this, you know, this problem of me doing everything. Right. I'll take out the trash. I'll yeah. fix my car. I'll do this. I'll do that. You know, like <laughs> yeah. literally, there's... Yeah. And... The relationships that I've had, they love that. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, she's not clingy. She doesn't mm-hmm. you know, hang on me. She can take care of herself. But yeah. then, but then there's a turning a while, point. Yeah, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the thing they love the most. Is uh, so. Yeah, that's interesting. They love it in the beginning and then they want you to change. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, you're exactly right. If, if anonymous female 36 is independent and works for themselves, herself, and. It could be great. You know, it could be great. I think that, sure, at a certain point, you need to maybe figure out if you want to live in the same city. Well, or if you want to have kids, yeah, that is one thing. Kids. Definitely, yeah. you should be there for the kids. Yeah, and 36, you know, you got you got some years in there, but um, yeah. Yeah, I it think... It just really depends on what you want out of life. I think it depends on what I you want I love waking up next to yeah. someone. Yeah. I love that feeling more than anything in the world. Yeah. Like starting the day with someone. Yeah. But I also love that feeling of them coming to me after being gone for a while mm. and like having that like moment of like you're finally that here. Just makes the heart grow exactly. fonder. It really so, does. Um, yeah. Whatever works for them. Yeah, I think also, and it sounds like she has some flexibility if she works. Well, I guess I'm assuming, but she says she travels a lot and works for herself. So if you have a little bit of flexibility in your schedule, I would say that works. Yeah, great. if I you think can it's like a hop on a plane thing. spontaneously because you need that person. Yeah. Or yeah, there's a, those are yeah. beautiful moments. Yeah, definitely. So I think that the answer from us is go for it. Try it out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to our Instagram because we have some new questions on here. Um, 
Also, if you're just tuning in, you can also call us in live or text us into the show to 213-54-LOVE-0. Um, okay, so this question, they don't sign, so I'm going to say anonymous. They say, I'd love to hear about dating older or younger. I've only ever dated a couple years older than myself. I met someone recently who is significantly older, and I think I'm pathologizing the attraction because my father died when I was 14. Um, anyway, liking an older man made me feel self-conscious, but this is not a pattern for me. I've been single forever and am extremely independent. Independence is in the air this morning. Mm -hmm. If anything, I have far too cautious in my dating life. Are there rules for dating much older slash younger to keep it healthy? <laughs> it's funny. That's good I, I <laughs> typically date younger. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a pattern, and I think that's also part of my, uh, I don't need anybody to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And so older people tend to want to take care of younger. Mm -hmm. and as yeah. a woman, you know, like I haven't wanted someone to like take charge of my life. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because, I, I mean, that wasn't a question that I had, but as you say it, I'm curious as to how your work as a dom informs, not necessarily your sexual life, because I feel like that is maybe a little personal, but... Um, but just your, uh, like, relationship style. Like, do you feel like you kind of are a little bit more kind of dominant personality-wise in your relationships as well? Or does it kind of just depend on the person? I'm a dominant person regardless of my relationship. Yeah. Um, sexually dominant. I, mm -hmm. I'm open-minded sexually, but I don't have to dominate someone during sex. Right. Um, yeah. Most of my relationships, actually, the majority of my relationships have been vanilla. And which is so. which is nor uh, like a normal oh, relationship normal. without okay, kink. Okay. Right. Um, I yeah. I think that is because kink has been such a huge part of my professional career mm -hmm. that for me it's like a comedian working and then coming home and being expected <laughs> to tell jokes. Doing comedy at home, yeah. Or a contractor <laughs> building houses all day and expecting to come home and remodel the kitchen. Right. Like you need to be able to step away from you it every once in a while. Every once in a while, yeah. Uh, but if I had a partner who like needed that in their life and I loved them, I would mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. But so far, it hasn't happened where my relationships have had to involve kink. Mm -hmm. You know, for yeah. them to be able, it, there have been kink influences, mm -hmm. and obviously, I'm sexually open-minded, so yeah. I'm open to discussing anything if I like the person. You yeah. Know, where do we want to go with this? Well, and if you find a new toy or, I don't know, something, I could imagine wanting to utilize it in your life. A little, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I'm sexually open-minded, so yeah. I don't think I would be shocked by anything anybody came to me with. Yeah. But you tend to date younger. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. the last three people that Like more than I, 10 years younger? Or oh, just yeah. Kind of, yeah. Okay. The last three people. So <laughs> at the... For the last two years, I've been dating this one person off and on. Mm -hmm. He just turned 26. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm 46. Yeah. <laughs> um, after that was uh, someone, I have an interest in someone right now who's 25. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I typically, I, just, I, don't, I yeah. don't look at age. I, yeah. it, it seems to affect the people around me more than it affects mm -hmm. me. Yeah. I, I get jokes all the time from people, and I'm sure they do, too. Mm -hmm. But when you, you know, it's just a, a chemistry thing. Yeah. If you meet someone, why I should mean, you let that limit you? I agree. I think also, you know, in terms of this person's question about, you know, if there are rules for dating much younger or older to keep it healthy, I think whatever feels it's, comfortable for you. It's yeah, like it's an individual, individual thing. thing. If, if the person, yeah. exactly, if the person you're dating is older mm -hmm. and they want to control you and be the person who, like, is in charge of your life, mm -hmm. then that. It might work for some, but it may not work for others. Right. And um, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've dated my age. I've also dated younger. My father, mm -hmm. I keep bringing him up. He was such a huge influence in my life. Mm -hmm. He, um, I had a, an issue with dating someone younger than me a couple of years ago. And uh -huh. he was like, well, what's the problem? And I said, you know, it's just, I don't know. I feel weird dating him. Yeah. He's so much younger. And my dad was like, when are you going to learn that men never grow up? So you might as well get a young one <laughs> so that still looks matter. good. Oh. <laughs> And I was like, never a truer statement said, Dad. Thanks. Because I also have an issue. Yeah. Like, I've taken care of myself. I feel like I look mm -hmm. good for my age. You look People amazing. tell me I look good for my you age. You look wonderful, yeah. A lot of people my age that are men mm -hmm. haven't taken care of themselves. And I was like, no. I, I, hate to say so, I hate to say that I'm that shallow, but I have to be physically attracted. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, It's real. Yeah. And it's, I typically am attracted to younger people, but I also... Mm -hmm tend to attract younger men mm -hmm. because I don't look my age. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I just say go with it. I think whatever you, you just, feel comfortable. Yeah. Did, did they say if they're, I'm just curious if they said if they were dating, I think they said they were dating someone older. Um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Significantly. They met someone who's significantly older and she's wondering if she's pathologizing the attraction. I mean, I feel like if someone you once said she has a daddy it. complex to like this girl that I knew and I was like, what is that exactly? Like, I don't know how to explain I, what a daddy complex is. Like you... I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. So yeah, uh, that I seems, uh, that's that seems pathologizing of yourself to say that. Well, if you're know. doing yeah. it, if you like, I like younger. I guess men it depends on how you're using daddy. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have a daddy, and I want a daddy. Well, then, yeah, sure. you're fetishizing this older person to yeah. be this daddy, and that's a fetish. Right. It's totally a fetish. Right. I know many submissive girls that call their masters daddy, mm-hmm. and it's a normal kind of dynamic that they have right but it's also this daddy is taking care of them and Mm -hmm. you know leading them through life a little like a dad would but Mm -hmm. in a relationship sort of dynamic and it's perverse and it's kinky but it works for them and so if it works for them it works for her why stop it just because there's an age difference totally and i think it also comes down to just figuring out what you feel comfortable with in terms of your priorities in the relationship and what you want out of the relationship so if you you know, um, are dating someone who is significantly older and you've noticed some power exchanges happening or I don't know, some just something that you don't feel comfortable with, just knowing what you want out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of being intentionally vague because I don't know what this person's priorities are and I think they can really shift so much depending on, um, you know, from person to person what mm-hmm. everyone wants. So I think that I would there is that no like black and white way to do yeah, it. There's no yeah. black and white to anything. There's no yeah. guideline or rule book on how to have a relationship. You can just yeah. try to learn as much as you can about the person and make sure i mean yeah. there, are, there are, i read a book that was um it's called the five love languages oh yeah the love languages book i haven't that, read it but read it. About it it yeah. applies to to so many relationships it was written mm-hmm. from a you know very religious kind of mm. um good to know yeah regular cisgender kind of relationship basis but mm-hmm. it is knowing love languages yeah knowing yeah. that like well, that there's different, basically, types of communication in yes. love and that people sometimes have different approaches and different needs in relationships. Like act yeah. of service, they described it as someone mm-hmm. who just takes out the trash without being told. Like, yeah. and you come downstairs and you're like, oh, the trash is off. Yeah. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's an act of service that right. you're like, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Or being exactly. told that you're beautiful. Yeah. Some people need that verbal affirmation. Oh, yeah. I was, that I was trying to place what that they're is. beautiful. Yeah. And, I um, love touch, physical touch. Yeah. Some people need to have their hand held. Some people need mm-hmm. to have the back of their neck caressed or they need to yeah. have that physical. It doesn't have to necessarily mean sex, but right. just the physical touch of like yeah. holding their belt loop or, yeah. you know, when you're in public, he has all these yeah. little things. And it just really made sense. Sense of connection. Yeah. On how people see and perceive love mm-hmm. for themselves and how they, they give love. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Because you can be giving someone love from the way that you have a love language and they may and not it accept it. Their love yeah. language. Yeah, no. definitely. I think that's a great point. So, so yeah, so I think for this person, yeah, it's check good. out the book. Um, and also just trusting your own instincts about how you feel about whatever it is and trying not to allow, I think that, you know, in general, age differences society, can be, like society, yeah. you know, I'm like making like <laughs> grand motions with my hands to represent society, <laughs> but just the pressure of society is sort of like, you know, unconscious collective sort of thoughts about like it's good or bad or, you know, at the end of the day, this is your life and what works for you is what matters most, regardless of what anybody else thinks about it. Exactly. If you're not hurting anyone, yeah, not hurting yourself in this process. Yeah. You're not damaging yourself. Then then go for it. Go for it. Yeah. See how it feels. Okay. I think that we have time for one last question, which is... This person says, have you ever tried marijuana oil with your clients to heighten sensation? Curious curious now that it's legal in California. Signed, looking for a pleasure boost. I do not use any kind of drugs or enhancers just mm-hmm. because I feel like the nature of what we do is already enhanced. Part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, people have come to me and I could tell they've already had a couple of drinks. Mm. You know, they hit happy hour on the way in. Right. And it just numbs you more than anything. Right. I think it, it, it alters the senses of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're so bored with the sensation that you mm-hmm. need to then heighten the sensation, yeah. maybe that's one thing. But there's so yeah. many different uh. directions that you can go in with BDSM yeah. that you really don't need your mind. It's a drug in itself. Mm-hmm. Like if you discuss the effects of play with anyone who has played, mm-hmm. you walk away with such an endorphin high. Yeah. The top and the bottom, the dominant and the submissive, walk mm-hmm. away with this this 
it's different levels, but there's uh, definitely like a heightened, you know, mental euphoria yeah. that happens after play. Just being yeah. able to release so much and to be able to give yourself and to be able to like I, I vibrate. My body will vibrate when I can mm-hmm. feel someone really submit to me. Oh wow! Like if I'm giving them a, a heavy whipping or a heavy caning, and they're like really yeah. surrendering something, and I can just touch them, and I yeah. feel this like vo- body vibration just from their yeah. energy that they're giving back to me. Yeah. So I don't really think that there's a need to heighten mm-hmm. that or to numb it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I prefer to do it without any kind of oh, chemical enhancers. Yeah, fascinating. Well, with that, I think we have to wrap here. But thank you so much for being on and sharing about all of your experiences and expertise. And I guess for anyone um, looking to explore your your world, you can find Miss Isabella Sinclair at isabellasinclair.com. Also on Instagram at the Isabella Sinclair. Any other um, ways that you want to tell people? I'm to on find Twitter you? as Twitter media, but it's basically okay. Instagram that now links to my Twitter. Okay. Um, yeah. And are you? Uh, maybe I asked you this earlier. Are you accepting new clients for anyone? Oh yeah, interest? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love training new people because I like mm-hmm. to introduce them to the way things should be done. <laughs> yeah. I through my years of experience, I've heard so many horror stories about mm. clients who have gone here and gone there, and it's been uh, a really bad situation. I'm like, why yeah. didn't you come to me to start with? Yeah. Like, oh well, your reputation. I didn't know that I could. I could see you straight away. I'm like, Aww. yes. Oh, yes. Well, world's, what is it? World's most famous dominatrix. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why people, I just recently I had it. someone who came to see me for the first time and he's seen all of these other people and he's like, I'm finally here. I can't believe I'm in the same presence as this. I was like, what took Aww. you so long? Oh, yeah. Like, why? Why wait? Um, yeah. yeah. An insecurity. He had an insecurity. He thought he needed to Aww. get a little, you know, experience under his belt before he came to see me. Oh, that's charming. <laughs> I know. <Yeah>. Flattering, <laughs> it's but flattering. it's like my reputation has now crippled me yeah. to some degree. Now people are so intimidated by <laughs> yes. you. That's wonderful. I love it. Well, thank you again so much. Um, it's been a pleasure. If anyone is listening to this show, um, now and wants to hear more episodes, they can hear more episodes on the Soul Friend Radio podcast, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Also, I'm now finally asking people to rate and review the podcast so that it can be shared by more people. And you can also send me questions at any time, any love, sex, dating, relationship questions whatsoever to 213-54-LOVE-0. You can also leave voicemails on that number if you want to have your question be played on air but don't want to necessarily call into the show. And I think that is all I have for us. So I'm going to play a song and then we will be out for the day. Thank you so much everyone for listening and until next time. Bye.